0: Many people could look at this, and most people would look at it and say 7,000 years, who cares? I've got a lot of time. But that in fact is not the case. And what we'll see, I hope, with a look at this is that we are right at the end of the 6,000 years, at that time when we will go to the 7,000th year, when God's purpose on this earth will really begin to be fulfilled as he had intended it at the beginning. You see, we live on the eve of what is the greatest change this earth has seen since the days of creation, since the days when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's commandment in the Garden of Eden and caused sin to come on the earth. And what we hope to show is that this change is about to be reversed, to be reversed to the point so that it goes back to the state that God had intended for it. Throughout our reading then we will go back through it quickly, seven days and how they relate to God's purpose very briefly. But we were told, saw that God said, and it was so. And then we see that he reviewed it at the end of the day, and it was very good. We start in Genesis chapter 1, and we're told that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. When that time was, we don't know. But at some stage, God created the heavens and the earth. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. There was no light to illuminate the the earth. It was without form and void. And then we see in verse 3 to 5, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God delighted the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So God said, Let there be light, and there was light. At that point, God created light on this earth on that first day of creation. The first act of creation was to create light. And so, corresponding to the first 1,000-year period of this earth, after creation, God's light went forth throughout the world for those who would see. Those who were prepared to, to look on those things and understand them. And so in this day, there was a division of light from darkness as the word of God shone as a light that would have otherwise been a dark world. And we find in the scriptures that the revelation of divine light is the first principle in God's spiritual creation. And as such, there's a clear division between divine light and darkness, that darkness which emanates from the natural mind of man. You see, before the light of God's word enters us, We are not able to give him glory. We are in darkness, as the earth was prior to that day. On day 2, we read in verse 6 to 8, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. The second day once again saw a separation. On this day it was a separation between the heavenly waters and the earthly waters. And the establishment of a firmament between them. And so that second thousand year period saw the division of mankind into two groups. There were those who were drawn to the light of God's word and those who rejected it. Mankind is then separated into heavenly and earthly waters, into those who are energised by the heavenly ways of Almighty God and those who are energised by the things or the ways of man, by the ways of darkness. It's a, a division between those who look to God for direction and those who are guided only by the natural thinking of man. And we have this highlighted in that second 1,000 year period with the flood, where God destroyed all those who were in darkness, who had turned their back on his ways. And we have here the separation between the heavenly and earthly waters, as water is a symbol of people and nations. And so we see the separation of people drawn to light, to the divine light, the truth as detailed in god's word and those who rejected it or are ignorant of it on the third day we have the creation of the earth and the sea in verses 9 to 13 and god said let the waters under the heavens be gathered, under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear and it was so and god called the earth uh, the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he the seas And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb-yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb-yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed is in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And once again, the evening and the morning were the third day. So we find that the waters that covered the earth were gathered together, which had previously covered the earth. They were gathered together so that there was the dry land appeared. And for the first time, life appeared on the earth. And during this third 1,000-year period, the nations were divided between Jew, the land, and Gentile, the sea. And Israel as a nation appeared during this period of history. And it was Israel who God chose to set apart from the sea of nations. The nation that was meant to give him glory and be his people. But we know through history that he turned his back on. it. On the fourth day, we have the sun, moon and stars set in their places. Verses 14 to 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So we find that on this day the earth came under the direct influence of the sun as the clouds that had formed on day two still shrouded the earth and on the fourth day this was dispelled and the earth saw the sun by day and the moon and stars by night. And so it was in the fourth 1,000-year period that the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, appeared. As the light of the sun and the moon was shed forth on the fourth day of the entire earth, so has the light of God's word been sent into all the earth through the preaching of the gospel since the time of the Lord Jesus Christ because prior to this it was shrouded in that only the Jew was exposed to these things and very few Gentiles. But with the advent of Christ, the sun and the true believers, the moon, has gone forth to all the world, and all the world since this time has had the opportunity to receive the word of truth. And so the Lord Jesus Christ appeared, and as the Son of God and the light of the world, And from this time forward, all mankind had the opportunity and should have become attuned and regulated with the teaching of the Son of Righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. On day five we have, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters bring forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And so on this day the sea began to swarm with life, And the fowls of the air were also created. In scripture, animal life represents the Gentiles or non-Jews. And it was during the fifth 1,000 year period that the gospel was extended to the Gentiles. The number five also represents grace. And during this 1,000 year period, the scope of God's uh, salvation was extended to the Gentiles. As the apostles went and preached to the non-Jewish people as they went throughout the then-known world. And so in this 1,000-year period, the Gentiles were brought into God's plan of redemption. And so the sea life and the birds represented the extension of the gospel message to the Gentiles, as occurred when the apostles took the word of God to the then-known world. On the sixth day we read that God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the field after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And so on this sixth day, God made the beasts of the field after his kind the cattle after their kind, and man in the image and likeness of God. And it was the climax of the events of that creation week, with man being made in the image of God. And we find that after man, God formed woman, the, formed the woman, who we're told, and we're told that the man and the woman were to have dominion. And at the end of the sixth day, it saw the marriage between... Adam and Eve, the two who were created and for them to be united as one and to exercise dominion over the lower creation. And in this final day of creation is shown the intention of God at the completion of the 6,000-year period to join Christ and his saints as one who will have dominion over the mortal population of the earth, just as Adam was given dominion over all the creation. Man was at that time and still is only to have dominion over the lower creation. There is no God-given dominion over fellow man, nor was dominion given over that which was above him. You see, while man today might think he can make the rules, what man needs to realise is that he is still subject to God and the laws and principles that God has established. It is God's law man is subject to whether man cares to admit it or not. And so at the end of the sixth 1,000-year period, Christ and the redeemed saints will become united together, so fulfilling the type as is shown of Adam and Eve. Christ and his immortalised brethren will then have dominion over the whole earth. If you'll turn over, please, to Isaiah 45 and verse 18. We have a statement there made by Almighty God of his purpose with this earth. The purpose that we may wonder about today, if we were to look at what's going on out there, when you hear about some of the things that man is inventing. He says in Isaiah 45 verse 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. God formed the earth to be inhabited. And that is what God intends to do with this earth. God intends to return it to that state in which he intended, where all will be done to his glory, where all that inhabit it will give him glory. If you turn over the page, sorry, back in Genesis chapter 1, or Genesis chapter 2 actually, verses 1 to 3, we have the words of, the set of day 7. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we read, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made and rested on the seventh day from all his works which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. And so on the seventh day, we find that God ceased from his work of creating. It's not that God rested. God has no need of rest. And on this day, He ceased from his work as it was created. The rest continued until sin brought it to an end. And the seventh 1,000 year period will introduce a rest that will reverse the effects of sin and there will be a rest restored to the earth to where the work of God commenced, making the work of God at that time complete. And during this 1,000 year period there will be a general rest from the sinful works of flesh and the era era will be set apart to Almighty God and will ultimately continue beyond that for eternity. The Elohim or angels on this day rested because their labours were complete and during this time there will be peace and tranquility on earth as it replaces the evil which is characteristic of this age when compared with the ways of Almighty God. The heavens will truly, at the end of this time, declare the glory of God, and the firm will show forth his handiwork. Having very briefly outlined God's 7,000-year plan with this earth, the question is, how will this affect you? And how should it affect you? We saw that as on day five the gospel went forth to the Gentiles or to the non-Jews and with this we all have a responsibility to God and depending on what we choose to decide the outcome for each of us varies accordingly. You see throughout the creation week we had division didn't we? On day one we had light from darkness. On day two we had the waters divided. Earth and heavenly waters were divided. On day three, waters and the dry land, a division. On day four, day and night, a division. On day five, fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, a division. On day six, there was man and the animals, the upper and the lower creation, those who are capable of understanding the things of Almighty God and those who are not, a division. And so it is in God's purpose with mankind from the day when Adam and Eve sinned until today and beyond until God's purpose with the earth is fulfilled. And so it is his purpose to, to divide between light and dark, to between those who are willing to follow his ways and those who are not. This division continues the whole way through Scripture. And the Apostle Paul In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 to 18, picks this up, where he says, "'Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. "'For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? "'And what communion hath light with darkness? "'And what concord hath Christ with Belial? "'Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? "'And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols?' For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And he says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty God. We have here very clear advice for those who will read. There's a division, isn't there, like we had in creation. A division between the believer and the unbeliever. Between those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous. Between light, those who know God's word, and darkness. Between those who worship God correctly and those who worship idols those who follow Christ and those who follow Belial. It's clear that there's a division between right and wrong, and this is something that should affect each of us. There's no blurring of the distinction. The choice is, as we would put it, to be in one camp or the other, one side of the fence or the other. As we would say, there's no in-between, no walking along the barbed wire, On the top. We can either be in the light of God's word or in the darkness of the world. And that results from an absence of the word of God. The divisions we have there verse 14, light and darkness. Once again, righteousness and unrighteousness. Verse 15, Christ and Belial. He that believeth and the infidel and those who are part of the temple of God and those who are idols or worship idols. There's a clear division in each case made between the things of Almighty God and the ways of man. The ways of man that are not pleasing to Almighty God. We have the light or the word of God, that which is according to those ways, and we have God's ways, and we have darkness which is opposed to what God requires. Psalm 119, verse 105. Speaking of the word of God, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the word of God is that which is, is, is described as light. It's that which is able to guide us in the ways that God would have us to go, that he's well pleased with. And without this light, we are in darkness. And for those in darkness, there is No hope. You know, it's an irony, isn't it? And I've said this before, that the world talks about what is called the Dark Ages. And it was a time when the word of God, the Bible, was suppressed by those who preferred and still do prefer darkness, by those who fell into the category of the unrighteous, who preferred idols, many of them, than to worship the true and living God. It was dark because the reading of the Word of God was suppressed, and hence there was no shining light to be a light unto our feet and a lamp to our path. There was no light, as it were, to illuminate the world. The world as a whole was in darkness, it was unrighteous, it followed Belial, and it worshipped idols. And if you want to have a look and see who did this, it's a sad fact that it's the church that is based in Rome, that hid the word of God from men and women, so that the world was in the Dark Ages. Because God alone is the source of light. He is the source of all light, not only natural light, but also spiritual light. And today his word is recorded in the Bible. If we are to be affected... By God's plan, we need to understand the words of the Scripture so that we are in light. In First of John 1, verse 5, we told, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And as we've said, today this light is in his word, as recorded in the Bible, And those who will do the things of Almighty God can shine forth in light and expel the darkness. Those who are in the light have the hope of the Bible, which God holds out to those who trust in him and follow his ways. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, (laughs) speaking of the believers, the Apostle Peter says, "'Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, "'a holy nation, a peculiar people.'" that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Those who take hold of the word of God will go from darkness, a darkness that offers no hope, to be in the light of the hope of the scriptures, the hope of eternal life on this earth as part of the kingdom that God will establish. Once again, we can see that there's a division, a division of light and dark, between that which is acceptable and that which is not. Those who have been called from darkness and into the the marvellous light that God offers. Psalm 27, verse 1. The psalmist writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And so when David, the man David wrote these words, he was saying that he put his trust in God. He put his trust in God, his light and salvation. And when he did that, he feared none. And David knew that his salvation came from none other but from God alone. In Mark 16, verse 15 to 16, we once again have a clear division where he told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. He that believeth the light of the word of God shall be saved. And the division, he that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. There's a division between light and dark, between the believer and the non-believer. He that believeth or is in the light shall be saved. The alternative is to be condemned. In Ephesians 2 verse 12, the Apostle Paul puts a distinction between the two again. And he's talking to the Ephesians before they came to a knowledge of the things of Almighty God. And he says, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel. You see, they hadn't heard of the light of God's word. They were strangers from the covenants of promise, the promises that are outlined in God's word, the Bible. And as a result, they had no hope and were without God in the world. (coughs) So once again, there's a clear division. A division from light and dark a division of those who have hope and those without hope. Of the Gentile or the non-Jew, we're told that prior to having the way of God preached to them, they were without hope in the world. They were in darkness at that time when the earth was void, when there was no light upon the earth. Those who understood were and are, in the words of Second Corinthians 6 that we looked at, part of the temple of God, while those who know not, we told, are partakers of idols. This same division continues today. Those who understand the covenants of, promises, of promise and those who do not. Those who understand the promise made to Eve of a redeemer, of an inheritance on the earth to Abraham, and of the promise of a king to reign over Israel for eternity to David, as can be summed in the ho- up in the hope of Israel. Without that hope, we are without God and in this world. We see in this division a choice for us. You see, we can be in the light to let God's word dwell in us, or we can be and be our God and be his people. For those in the light, those who do that which God requires, those who come out from among, those who separate from the darkness, those who touch not the unclean thing, we told that God will receive them, and God will be a father unto them, and these will be his sons and daughters. These God will look after for eternity. Yes, the way might not be easy, but God will look after them for eternity. In Daniel 12, verse 2 to 3, we read that many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So once again, there's a division here, isn't there? We're told many... Not all, many, will be raised from the grave. And of those who are faithful and those who are deemed to be unfaithful are raised, though they're responsible. The faithful will have everlasting life and the unfaithful will have everlasting contempt or punishment in that their return to the grave for eternity. Well, we find that on day seven, God ended his work of creation, creating, of dividing light from dark, the waters from the waters, and so forth on those six days. So it will be during the seventh 1,000 period. At the end of that sixth 1,000 year period, there will be a division or a first division of the faithful and the unfaithful, as we have described by the Lord Jesus Christ. We read, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, at the end of that six thousand years, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world and further on in that chapter in verse 42 he says to those the goats then shall he say unto them on the left hand depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels and once again we have a division a division here of the sheep from the goats a division between those who will inherit the kingdom prepared for them, the kingdom of God, and those who will be told to depart from Christ the King into everlasting punishment, to return to the dust of the earth, as we said, from where man was originally created. You see, the challenge for each of us is to be on the straight and narrow way the way that leads to life and the one, and be one of the few that finds that way, as the Lord Jesus Christ described it. He said to, the, to those who are listening, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find them. We have to make a decision ourselves today, don't we? We can enter into that straight gate, the straight gate which is narrow. It's a way that can be restrictive to the ways of man, but it's a way that leadeth to life. But we're told there's few that find it. Or we can go for the wide, ga- wide gate and the broad way, that leadeth to destruction, that way which many find. It's a decision that we have to make. And the decision we make today will affect us for eternity, one way or another. In Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, we told, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Only those who do the will of God who is in heaven will enter into this kingdom that God will establish. We're told that many will say they have done works in the name of the Lord, but they will be rejected as they have not done the will of the Father who is in heaven. You see, once again, it's a division, isn't it? And we need to make a a decision between doing the will of God and that which suits ourselves you see, one is a wide path that leads to destruction, while the other is a narrow path that leads to life. A path that leads to life that we are required to follow in the way of God as He has left for us in His Scriptures. Those who enter in through the narrow path will enter into that which leads to life, eternal life on this earth. The dividing of the sheep from the goats will lead to the seventh 1,000-year period. At the end of that time, it will culminate in a time when there will be no more darkness. It will be a time when the light of God will shine continually, when the may of man is done away with, when sin and death are no more, and the glory of God will fill the earth to the exclusion of all else. Isaiah 11, verse 9. We told, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. They shall not hurt nor destroy, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's the condition that has to exist for there to be no hurt nor destruction. On this earth, it will be a time when the earth will be filled with the glory of God, when the way of man is no longer, sin and death are no more, and men for eternity will do that which leads to peace. There will be glory to God on earth and peace and goodwill toward men, as the angels expressed at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 2, verse 14, where the angels said, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. As with the order expressed here, so is the order in which this will occur. When there's glory given to God, then there can be peace on earth. And only then will there be peace on earth and true goodwill toward all men. And this will occur ultimately at the end of that seventh 1,000-year period When those who remain will give glory to God, and those who are not prepared to will have been returned to the grave, returned to the dust of the earth for eternity. At this time, the effects of sin and death will be done away with, and conditions on the earth will change, so that ultimately there will be no more death we told in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 25 to 26 that he, Christ, must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And this is the time when all will be accomplished. A true rest will come over the earth and the situation will change to that spoken of in Revelation 21 verse 4 where we told that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor pride. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how will this affect you? It's a decision you have to make today to be on that straight and narrow path that can lead to that, to that time when God will be all in all and his glory will fill this earth as the waters do the sea. When those things that trouble us today will be the former things because they have passed away. Or we can be part of those who are in darkness, who will return to the grave for eternity, never to see the light again. And so at the end of the seventh 1,000 year and beyond, there will be no more pain and sorrow. That which afflicts us today will be no more. Such, however, is only for those today who are willing to divide between good and evil, between light and dark. You owe it to yourself, ladies and gentlemen, to look into these things of, of the scriptures to see how they will affect you, to see what decision you will make, how you will divide the word of God. To those who are prepared to do so, God offers us the world, the literal earth on which we stand for eternity. We urge you to look into these things while there is still time, because the end of that 6,000th year is very close to coming to an end, when the Lord Jesus Christ will return to establish his kingdom on this earth, on the ruins of the kingdoms of men, And to bring ultimately to pass those events that are spoken of in Revelation 21 verse 4. We thank you for your time.